Welcome to the 8th Note Sessions. I'm Mike Shamil. And I'm Bevan Mullen. And our returning guest today is Philip Steven. Phil, how you doing, my man? I'm very good. How are you guys? Not too bad. We're doing well. We're, we're bringing Phil back in today because it's been a while since we chatted with him. The last time we talked with him, he had released an album called Dead Town. Phil, what you been up to since? Um, whole lot of COVID stuff. Good home record. Good, good amount of home recording. Working from home, so you know, just shacked up in this room, pretty much all day, staring at the screen, playing lots of RuneScape and petting my cat. RuneScape, old school. <laughs> I'm glad to hear people are still keeping that game alive. Yeah, it's fascinating. There, some people still have the same accounts after all these years. <laughs> it's probably all of us who are just like, oh man, I don't know what else to do anymore. I've done all the things. I've made the bread. I've, you know, I've played COVID bingo ten times over and won. <laughs> you know, what else do I do now? I seem to start big new. Uh, hobbies and then quit them pretty quick like at the beginning of summer I, I bought a bunch of frisbee golf discs and I frisbee golfed like maybe eight times and then I was like eh, I'm not very good at this we got into like woodworking stuff we built some guitar stands a couple things and then we're like eh. <laughs> so now it's RuneScape and we'll see what happens next hopefully music will be one of those things <laughs> crossing our fingers yeah but we've also been up to you know a lot of collaborative things with some people that I've met over the year through uh, online open mic and uh, alliance so that's been really fun lots of definitely lots of music projects to work on and very satisfied beautiful you, I, that's that's a lot of fun <clears throat> i'm i'm also involved um so for the for the viewers at home some of us from the uh alliance's um like songwriting group where we like meet every month on zoom and um you know help each other with our songwriting which is I totally recommend if you're a songwriter and you just want to pick people's brains and stuff like that in a very inclusive environment, check it out. Uh, but we, for shits and giggles around Christmas, decided to cover each other's songs. And then from there, we were like, oh, let's make an album out of it. But then the, the challenge of, well, how do you make an album and collaborate during COVID? And some of us have home studio setups, you know, crazy people like me have gear and shit all over the living room, but not everyone does. And um, so we've, you know, lent each other equipment or done stuff outside or borrowed like, you know, large open spaces and masked up and spaced out and done some stuff. So we've gotten kind of creative with it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be neat to see where that project goes. So it's, it's fun to see that kind of level of camaraderie and and you know it's fun to feed off that energy because we can't we can't feed off the energy of our audiences as well as we used to seeing as our cameras are in between us and them so it's nice to kind of uh be sending tracks back and forth and bouncing ideas and having that that fresh influx of ideas i, I think one of my favorite things from this past year with the, that group of people specifically has been watching how good we're all getting at just the whole live streaming game whether it's our audio or our video or even like the further things being able to send each other th none of us were doing this stuff a year ago no. and we totally would have been able to it's pretty it's pretty fascinating to watch i'm really excited about it and i'm positive that post covid uh we'll still all be able to make some kick-ass videos and you know email each other stems and stuff it's been very neat or watching that uh band together buffalo contest 
the videos that people are making is so inspiring to me. It's just giving me so many ideas of things that I could do if I try a little harder. Now you're you're working on that a little bit with uh, Strange Standard, yeah? Yes, I play bass in uh, Buffalo Jam Band Strange Standard. I don't know if I'm an official member yet, but it feels like I am. So, <laughs> yeah, we uh, recorded a video last night, which was really fun. Um, we got some uh, live footage of us playing a song uh, a few weeks ago as well. It's been going pretty good. Now is that for the the second round of submissions? If you if you make the round two cut. Sort of thing, believe, or just, just for your own uh, personal enjoyment? I don't really know. I'm a little bit hands-off. I usually just show up and play the best bass lines that I can uh, and write a little bit, you know. So I think that's what their plan is. But that's what's kind of cool about this is if you just make some cool product, even if you don't advance or if you do, you, you have it in your archive now, and I think that's pretty neat. Now, something I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, just re referencing Dead Town again. You know, you you definitely have like your feet on the ground and your your eye in the world around you when you're uh, when you're writing your songs. And it's it's always funny for me to hear you talk about playing bass, which I know is like kind of where you approach from. But I I know you much more as a, a singer songwriter type. Um, have have you been continuing in in, in that vein? No, absolutely. Yeah, I've probably got, well, I've probably got about 10 songs that I want to release maybe in a couple months. Uh, just need to fine-tune them. We go through our busy season at my, uh, at my day job in the fall, so I usually kind of just don't feel like staring at a computer when I get done with work for the day. <laughs> Fair. But why yeah. not? That's our whole world right now. Uh, it is a lot of what we do. <laughs> so in in the course of you know staring at our computer screens i feel also like everyone's becoming uh if not more intelligent than a lot more tuned into information and very 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 heavy pettiness um oh, yeah. So to that end, part of the reason I wanted to talk to you right now is to share in a, a conversation about the music scene at large, as it stands. Um, I think there are so many beautiful stories of people coming together, finding new connections and friendships, and, and really making you know, impactful, significant art in this time. Flip side of that, because there's always a flip side, is some of the the cracks that are present in, in this music culture are, are beginning to show too. And I like to think that by seeing them, we can talk about them and, and heal them better. So it's, it's better that they're showing. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this this interesting binary that's come up in that conversation, which is the difference between the quote-unquote professional musician and the quote-unquote hobbyist musician. And do you think do you think that's a healthy way of qualifying and categorizing musicians in, in this current culture? Uh, personally, I don't like it. Uh, I think there's just too much gray area between what defines success or professional to different people. Um, 
I, I get where the argument is coming from, from the quote unquote professional musicians. I do. Uh, I don't think hobbyist is really a fair word for a lot of people who wouldn't consider themselves to be, you know, full-time professional musicians. It's just a, it's a wide spectrum. So I don't think having binary terms like that is necessarily useful. Okay. Yeah. The, the reason, the reason I bring this up, of course, is just because a lot of on social media, I, I feel like conversations happen at like, 20 times their normal speed and oh my god it's, it's you get whiplash trying to keep up with the comments oh my goodness you, you send and you know it's coming down the pipeline <laughs> the response for 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 the viewers at home um and, and we are going to make a point of not uh, throwing anyone under any kind of bus or, or identifying anyone that we're talking about just know that these are conversations happening in the abstract and uh, this is more for people involved in the music scene at, at the performative level at this stage um it our our playing shows f for like friends or for not like a, a, a professional wage is that okay is there is there a problem with that I, I think it's uh it's your own prerogative what you want to do I, I mean if you feel like you sell a $50 product and you want to if you want to peddle your $50 product and that is your choice you could do it um you know if you're if you're trying to undercut people and like maliciously take opportunities by playing for less or whatever, then yeah, that's absolutely a problem. I don't know how frequently that is actually happening around a lot of places that we would be, but uh, you know, I think there's different levels of performers. There's different tiers of what people expect from things. And if somebody wants to pay very little or not at all. And somebody wants to take that gig. It's, it's free will you can do it if they want to one of the one of the troubling uh, opinions i've i've heard um with with regards to this professional hobbyist uh, division is the notion that if you're not up to a certain uh standard of of drawing crowds or demanding uh compensation that you should really stick to open mics or other similarly public and, and non-compensated uh, avenues of performance. Um, I, I ask again, do you, do you think that has a, a, a negative effect on, on our scene? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a mean thing to say to people, um, especially if people are already out playing bars and things. Why would you say it to somebody who's already has it happening i think really it's a free market scenario if you're not very good and you're playing at bars even if you're not playing for money or um you know playing for significantly less than other people if you're not very good people aren't going to hang around at the bar uh you're not going to draw people you're probably not going to get booked there again in the long run uh, it's really shouldn't be anyone's business what other people are doing with their time saying someone should stick to open mics is a little bit it's a little bit rough. I, I, I feel at the least it, it can be discouraging. It, it sort of stunts new growth. It doesn't seem like it comes from a place uh, 
that doesn't seem like it comes from like an empathetic place where you're really trying to understand the other person. It, it just I, seems like a rude thing to say. Well, to, to be to be diplomatic, though, I would say there is a a practical reason why you, you might say that because uh, as we talked about in a pre-interview conversation. Um, I'm going to have to make a graphic for that one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to start wanting to be in on that, but trust me, you don't want to be in on it. Get, get on t-shirt. Heads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, before we get a t-shirt of that, I need a teacher of you, uh, t-shirt of you going, the philosophy zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the flip side of it, I think what gives rise to that kind of like sort of an exclusionary viewpoint is it is very, very difficult to treat gigging as a full-time job. Even yeah. even if you're performing, you know, constantly, um, you know, and and this is a larger commentary on on the gig economy at large. But it's um, it's not it's not often enough to to pay rent or, or put food on the table. So what 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 is to be done about that on on, on some level because i'm i'm sort of at a loss because i i want everyone to to be able to participate and and not be discouraged from that but i also don't want people who are really working at the professional level to have to go without in a lifestyle that kind of you give up a lot just by choosing to do it right yeah. that whole starving artist you know like image you have in your head i mean it, every musician who kind of sets out and wants to make money playing music knows that there's that whole like starving artist period and for some reason you know we're sort of presented with this idea that you're either at like the majority of people are at the starving artist level and then there's like the rock stars making bajillions of dollars and and it's you know it's su such a lopsided crazy system where where's that balance I understand uh, and I agree I would prefer that we could live in a society where you could do music full-time and really make a good living um, and obviously there are some people who have figured out how to do it we all know at least a couple of people who whether it's through lessons or gigs or both they've they figured it out um, but I honestly I don't know any other profession where you know if I come help one of you guys with something at your house there's not like going to be a bunch of contractors blasting me saying that i'm ruining their industry by doing that so there, there's got to be some balance between like people should be allowed to do whatever they, if, if people want to go play at their corner bar that their friend owns and not charge any money then that's really their prerogative there needs to be some middle ground i'd love to find it i mean i for me i, I tend to think that big big improvements usually come from the bottom and i i'm very much of the mind that if you're performing as a as a contracted uh employee basically you know if if you are being hired to provide a service you should receive even if it's a token amount uh and 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 i do mean token i'm talking like 5 to 10 dollars for you know, a half hour work or whatever, you know, a short set. I think changing the standard at which we we employ artists 
at least changes what position occupies in, in the cultural mindset. And it's easier to have a conversation about we should be compensating these full-time artists more. Because right now we have like two <laughs> like complete extremes that they, they, they just don't mix well. And realistically, better. how many people are at both ends of that spectrum? Most right. people, it's, when it's they start playing, they might do it for free or for very little. But as soon as you start to make a little bit of money, you're not going to start settling for less. That was my scenario, at least. You know, Maybe that's what the situation is. If you want to change the culture, don't. we knew we shouldn't look at the outside culture, but the musicians themselves... What show people help people figure out how to make a, a little bit of money, and maybe uh, more musicians will start trying to fight for a better pay. I don't. I, I mean, I, I think like with with politics, usually the loudest voices are the ones that are on the periphery, and I'm, I will not use the phrase "silent majority." Because that's a loaded phrase. <laughs> but the phrase I, is gone now. Yeah, you can't use it anymore. Yeah, yeah it, but it, it I, doesn't really apply much to this conversation's not, topic matter. <laughs> not, not to this, because artists are n not silent. Um, that's that's <laughs> not what we're known for. We're turning up. Yeah. I, I I will say though there are probably more artists who are less loud about this particular thing who, as you said at the top, Phil, are kind of in this gray zone between what, if, if we are to embrace this, this kind of divisive language, are not, not clearly on, on either pole. Um, so maybe it's just a matter of kind of bringing the bottom up a little bit. And that makes the, the conversations towards uh, the, the more ambitious elements of it easier to happen. Yeah. I really believe in, um, by helping the people around you, you're enabling them to help the people around them. It's different sets of people. They kind of intersect, but then that, you know, keeps going. And in my experience, I would have never gotten to whatever, you know, m minimum level of success I'm at now. If you call it that I would, but maybe in this conversation, some people wouldn't. I wouldn't have gotten to where I am if people didn't help me. So I want to help other people too. And I'm just going to try to focus on that at this point. I think you make a good point there. I, some of the there's there's so much frustration in the music scene between not being able to play and you know not having been able to find the the gigs that you are looking for and things like that. Um, and I've, I've, I've seen a, a couple different conversations going on out there and, and jumped into a few. And, you know, there, there was definitely a lot of frustration and tension coming from all directions. And I think one of the things that could help remedy some of that is a little bit more leadership and education in our music scene. You know, yeah. there are people that have better understandings on how to, you know, how to, you know, reach out to a bar and how to find the right person to book and, and what you should ask and what kind of conversations you need to have. You know, I can definitely look at myself back in, you know, and in, in when I was a younger musician and at some of the mistakes I made and half the frustration was just trying to figure out who do I even need to talk to to book at some of these venues because some bars you talk to the owner, some bars you talk to the bar manager, some bars have an actual, like, you know, person who books for them and that's like their thing. And, you know, just having the having some just 
guidance on how to approach those people and what kind of conversations you need to have with them, I think would help bring a lot of people out of that weird area where they're like, hey, I think I'm worth a little bit more than what I've been playing for, but I'm either not confident enough to ask or I'm afraid to ask or I don't even know what the hell I'm supposed to say, you know? And, and I, think that could re- I think that could help start bringing that forwards. Well, there's even more direct situations. Uh, I, I was very fortunate that I had a lot of friends who did pretty well. And, you know, if I was at one of their shows, be it at a bar or, where, you know, typically at a bar, you wouldn't do this at like a Mohawk place show. But they just say, hey, my friend Phil's here. He's going to come up and play and play for like a half hour. And they just give me what was in the tip jar. And it's like, wow, I got 30 bucks, you know, but then when you're done playing the bar owner's like hey you're pretty good that even that kind of simple thing helps or like we were talking in the pre-conversation there's certain scenarios that i was in when i was younger that i should not have been in and all that i needed was somebody with a little more experience to say hey don't work with that person and it would have saved me like a, a lot of a headache and i don't know it seems like some people, when they see a group of other people doing something they don't like, they, they just yell at them. Other people maybe could lead them. And other people are kind of like, let me just show these people what they're doing wrong or just try to tell them, help one of them out maybe, instead of yeah, just yelling at a bunch of people. My, my mind goes to a, a very long line in a Midwest Dairy Queen. And that may sound like it's coming out of left field, but there was a coming out of a folk song. Sounds good to me. Yeah. There, there, there was a, a story over the summer. I don't know if anyone at home remembers this, but there was about I, I forget it was like twelve to thirteen hundred people who had paid for the order of the person behind them, and wow. it went for like a, a a ludicrous amount of people. I remember if, this. If, if you are a leader, if you are a mentor, a musician who no, no one ever makes it really like as much as they'd want to, there's always more room to grow and more audiences to, to reach and, and more music to make, of course. I mean, the work's not for done, but when you pay it forward, you potentially have a new fan, you have potentially a new collaborator, you have someone who's in your team because as cynical as I can be, as bitter and acerbic as I can be, I do like to think that it's inherent for people to want to pay the kindness they receive forward. It's like when you get that free coffee in the morning at Tim Hortons, it just makes you day and you you know, impart that kindness onto someone else later in the day. I think, um, there are large societal elements that come into this conversation that that we're not going to be really touching on and dissecting in the scope of this podcast, such as pay equity and, um, you know, one, one of the, the things we had talked about in our pre-interview conversation was should uh, door admissions be raised? Well... No, not necessarily, because that sort of gatekeeps people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged from enjoying music at venues. Exactly. And it's a perfect example of how we're not the best three people, because the three of us at first were like, oh, well, yeah, we could afford... The- oh, <laughs> wait a minute. So so all, all that to say, none of, none of what we're talking about here, especially to our friends in the music community, is prescriptive or, or telling people what they should be doing my my part of it is only a gentle suggestion that 
we really are unified in our, our common condition, that we are musicians in a Rust Belt city, and pardon my language, but it fucking sucks. <laughs> and if, if we don't have each other's back, no one's going to have our back. So drawing these divisions, these arbitrary divisions, it does more to harm us all than it does to actually foster a healthy community. Yeah, I think. Do you do we want our me- do we want our message to be that uh, people playing for too little or for free is hurting our industry, or do we want it to be that hey, you don't have to be playing for that little? And I think that that's a much friendlier, much more helpful message. Uh, Instilling a, a sense of self worth and and the beautiful work that you do. And it gives you an opportunity to kind of also make more connections with each other. I mean, I think that's one of the things that'll help our our music scene kind of improve. Well, not even kind of improve, but absolutely improve is as we start connecting with each other more and being more, you know, supportive in actual concrete ways like that. You know, we start bringing each other all up. You know, it's that whole like... Um, idea of like okay like you know you you give me a little boost I give you a little boost you give the next person a boost and suddenly we're out of the shit pile you know Um, and and I think that's achievable if we're willing to work with each other and kind of um, have those honest conversations and that's kind of what we're we're hoping to sort of help inspire and kick off tonight with with today's episode yeah I'm personally very uh interested in any type of grassroots uh, approach that we could find uh, have my own ideas but I don't know how reasonable they are we would like to open the conversation up to booking agents to people who host live music uh, we really need everybody to kind of figure out uh, yeah. or help figure out a way that works for everyone on how we can you know get people making a little bit more and get people in Buffalo the music that they miss so much right now and, and that brings me to another point. One of the things that uh, just personally I've, I've observed is, um, you know, here in the Western New York Music Industry Alliance, it's not meant to be just the musicians' alliance. You know, it's not meant, meant to be just a clique of, of, of music, you know, performers and writers and creators. You know, it's supposed to be the industry alliance. And right now it is pretty heavy in members of the music scene that play and create. But I really don't see a lot of people who are also part of the music industry. I don't see a lot of venue owners and people who book and other folks that Phil had just mentioned. Um, and I'm going to take this moment to invite you to, to check it out and to take a look at it. Because, you know, we want to see you guys and gals at the table with us having these discussions. Because I think that there's a lot for, for both the local venues and the local musicians to gain. It, but we really need to have an opportunity to have those conversations, you know, um, something better than like quick emails and text messages in between gigs you know, between individual musicians. I think that something much better than Facebook yeah, conversations, especially. Yes. We'll you know, call as them we that. Look at this pandemic and how, you know, all the venues are hurting, you know, um, all the musicians are hurting. Everybody's hurting. You know, the whole frigging world and country's hurting. 
And we know that it's a matter of time before we kind of slog our way through this. And once the doors start to open up, I mean, one of the big questions is like, all right, how do we kind of reinvigorate that? How do we bring the life back into this scene? Because that gets us the opportunity to go out and play the shows we want to play. And that gives the venues the opportunities to have people come in and keep their lights on and, you know, butts and seats to, you know, make things happen again. And it gives the audience a chance to actually have something fun and enjoyable to do again that isn't making bread and watching TikTok videos all freaking day long. So, you know, again, I'm going to invite venue owners and booking agents and everyone else to, you know, hit up the the alliance and, and get involved and join. And let's have some conversations. Let's put our brains together. How can we come out of this kicking ass instead of falling on our ass? There's awesome. got to be a way we can all make some money. That's what I think. Yeah. And and additionally, I'd, I'd be remiss not to say this, too, if, if we are talking about the Alliance. Um, if if you're at the mind, too, where the, the word industry kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies because it, it feels like too corporate or maybe... You know, maybe you're super talented and prolific or just curious about music, but you don't want to engage in, uh, again, the sort of rigidity of of the word professional or industry. We invite you to, to join as well. Part of our mission is also creating a sense of solidarity and community. Um, the the base point that we start from in this discussion is not one of prescriptive social or economic policy, but rather, again, recognizing our common condition and the sense that no hand coming down. You know, we gotta we have to pull ourselves up and each other up in that way. Um so I, I think we're we're just about at time for their interview. And to our viewers at home, thank you for entertaining our pontificating on this very complex and sort of talked around a series of controversies, really just Facebook threads and stuff, but whatever. Um, Phil, so we're going into Band Together Buffalo. We're coming up on Valentine's Day, and there's just a lot happening. What what's on your mind in, in the next upcoming weeks, and what what are you doing to keep your feet on the ground? I, I'm really uh, kind of giving up on trying to hope for waiting for when COVID's not going to be a problem anymore. I just kind of got my feet on the ground here, really working on music, trying to get probably the best quality thing that I've ever put out done, eventually, and just see where it goes. You know, family time, things like that hanging out with you guys once a week at the post apoc open mic of course is a highlight of my life yeah man, i'm just taking a day at a time i'm trying to not get covid and uh keep my apartment clean beautiful beautiful <laughs> stay safe and we look forward to many of your music creations and uh we look forward to all the interesting conversations that we'll have with everyone in the upcoming weeks and months and so on and with that i'm mike shamil I'm Devin Mullen. And our guest today was Philip Stephen. Thank you, Phil, and thank you, everyone, for watching at home. This was the Eighth Note Sessions. Check out an excerpt from this song, One of These Days, by Philip Stephen. You can find his music on Bandcamp and on streaming services. One of these days, one of these days, well, I'll finally leave. I've grown.
this place I'm sick of this flag and what it means to me The one that I love is pretty much gone I'm not going back Cause there's no coming back from that Dozing off in the passing lane Today's intro song was Free Rain by Lady K. The Eighth Note Sessions are produced by Music is Art. Help keep our podcast going and other programs by donating today at musicisart.org. Thank you for listening.